Welcome to Econa Day Unplugged. It is Tuesday, January 30th, 2018. With me today are Jeremy Hawkins in London and Mark Pender in the U.S. I am Ann Picker, Econa Day's Chief Economist. We have an awful lot on our plate today with loads of new economic data globally. The question is where to begin. So, Jeremy, we'll begin in London. You certainly had a plethora, have a plethora of data this week. Indeed, there's a, a lot of figures coming out this week and uh, there's a lot coming out today. Um, just pull together the main ones that we already know about. And I suppose really we've got to kick off with the, the preliminary flash GDP report uh, for the fourth quarter for the Eurozone as a group. Just to, to remind people, this really is just a few summary statistics. So it's really just that the quarterly and year-on-year -year rates of growth for total Eurozone real GDP, we don't get any idea of the individual country performances or indeed for that matter, the key GDP expenditure components. Anyway, what we did get was a 0.6% quarter-on-quarter increase in real GDP, so annualized, to put it on the, the US, US equivalent such state, that would be 2.4%. That was in line with market expectations, and to be honest, pretty much in line with what we've seen throughout the course of 2017. And that meant that we saw calendar year growth, so 2017 as a whole, weigh in at 2.5%. Now, if you think back, if you've got a good memory, that compares with the, the ECB own forecast that they made back in at the end of 2016 of 1.7%. So it really does just confirm that the recovery in the Eurozone economy, as far as last year is concerned anyway, was a good deal better than official expectations. Indeed, we can go beyond that since it's, it pretty well beat all the major private sector forecasters as well. So, so far, so good. Um, what we've had so far in terms of January isn't that much, but we have had the flash PMIs. They, again, were very strong. The headline composite output index um, was up for at a 139-month high. There are also some potential inflationary signals coming through in those reports as well, in particular, delivery times are getting longer and longer. In this particular month, they saw one of the length most significant lengthenings we've had on record. Input cost inflation's up at an 81-month peak and, and output prices, they saw their steepest gain since April 2011. So if you put all that little lot together, then it really ought to mean that the Eurozone, generally speaking, at least from the economic side, is a fairly attractive place for international investors. The problem, though, is still, as we talk each week, um, the lack of in actual inflation. Um, we'll get the flash January um, inflation report on Wednesday for the Eurozone. On the basis of what we saw coming out of Germany earlier on today, it looks all but guaranteed we're going to see another decline. Currently, it's running at 1.5%. It looks as if a flash could come in at 1.4%, possibly now even 1.3%. And indeed, um, there's an outside chance we could see the call rate come off a little bit as well. So it remains the case that notwithstanding what the survey evidence is saying about pipeline inflation pressures, actual inflation continues to just chug along. And that, of course, was a reason why we saw the ECB deciding to leave its policy completely on hold last week. 
There had been some speculation that we might see some adjustment to the forward guidance, which essentially just sees interest rates remaining at current levels right through to September at least and possibly beyond. Um, but in practice, they've made no changes to anything. Interest rates, quantitative easing, forward guidance. And Mario Draghi went so far as to say that if the economic forecasts from the ECB are broadly accurate, then the likelihood we won't see any change in interest rates as far as 2018 is concerned at all. So backdrop then for monetary policy for the eurozone at this stage really continues to be a flat line as far as interest rates are concerned over the foreseeable future. Risks though, I think we've got to say because the real economy is doing so well that we could see the ECB being forced to adopt a less accommodative policy rather sooner than later. Um, out of the UK, it's still a case with a poor old pound being knocked all over the place at the moment, kind of punch drunk from what's going on in Brexit. Last week, we talked about increasing speculation of a soft Brexit, which inevitably was taken extremely well by Sterling. Over the course of the last few days, we've had renewed cabinet splits for the government over whether or not it should be a hard Brexit or a soft Brexit or indeed whatever kind of Brexit at the moment. There's been leaks coming out of Whitehall um, supposedly saying that if we any kind of move away from the European Union will have significant negative implications for longer term UK growth. So it really is a case of, you know, you pay your money and takes your choice as far as what this final Brexit resolution is going going to be. Um, in terms of the numbers out of the UK this week, really, I suppose the pick of the bunch is likely to be um, on Thursday, we'll get the manufacturing PMI. So far, the UK economy, as we've already talked about, has held up rather better than expected. But with this latest slight change in sort of, um, I suppose, sentiment with regards to Brexit, were we to see fresh signs of a slowdown, so reduced chances of Bank of England increasing interest rates again, then at current levels, the pound's still going to look pretty vulnerable. That's it for me. Thank you, Jeremy. Mark, tis a week for key U.S. data. Last Friday, GDP, and this Friday, employment. Uh, well, that's right. Let's uh, uh, we'll back up and let's uh, first address uh, GDP. The last week's fourth quarter rate at 2.6% um, was really understated. Uh, this is really a reflection of how GDP is calculated. Um, and uh, inventories, uh, the build there slowed, and that's a negative in the calculation. But that's probably a positive, certainly, for the economy. You know, lower inventories right now means higher production and higher employment to restock them. And on, But more importantly, actually, it had as a larger effect is the net exports that really pulled down uh, GDP. But here again, um, imports were very strong, which was the negative, but that reflects strong demand. And exports were also very strong, but they're smaller than imports, and so they were overwhelmed. If you, with, if you uh, withdraw those two, then you have GDP at a 4.3% rate, and that really reflects consumer uh, spending, which was at 3.8% annualized growth, which is very good, and also strength in residential and non-residential investment. Really, it's just an anomaly with how the calculation is done, and the reason this calculation is like this is so you can interconnect all the different uh, international economies together, and it was an arbitrary decision to, to make imports a negative. Um, but it is, it does reflect $50 billion of U.S. dollars going out every month for uh, foreign goods, which uh, it really can't be that positive. But uh, as far as actual demand goes, it was very strong. And now we're looking at um, Friday's employment report, and here the Econoday consensus is uh, looking for excuse me, looking for another very solid report here. We're talking about a 175 
for the uh, non-farm payroll growth. Unemployment. 175,000. 175,000. And... Um, the unemployment rate holding at a 17-year low of 4.1%. Manufacturing payrolls, the economy forecasters are looking for a solid 18,000 uh, 18, gain. And we're even looking at a little bit of uh, wage pressure, maybe just a little bit average hourly earnings are called up 0.3% uh, with the annual uh, rate up one-tenth here at 2.6%. Uh, Interestingly, that would follow... Um, what turned out to be a pretty good uh, 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 yesterday, Monday, um, January 29th, today is January 30th, we had a personal income and outlays report where um, the way the income was uh, solid at 0.4% monthly gain. Uh, and the year-on-year -year rates here are moving up. Uh, but the uh, wage component, wages and salaries, and this is a, a, a very broad view of wages and salaries, uh, came in at 0.5%. So we're going to get two different wage readings this week, two different income readings this week. Um, and uh, we'll also get the uh, employment cost uh, index on, on Wednesday. Now, this is a very important report. This looks at wages from the other side, the mirror image, which is from the uh, what employers pay. This is a quarterly report, and it has really been showing some life here. And, and I think if you put these together, and then we had all the announcements of the uh, major companies uh, wanting to raise uh, their wages, minimum wages, uh, or initial wages. I think well, we haven't, it's like what Jeremy was saying, we really haven't seen the actual um, any traction at all, really, in the actual numbers. Like uh, on Monday, we had the uh, PCE core rate, which is really the most important uh, inflation uh, reading in the U.S., and it did inch up uh, one-tenth to 1.6%, but it really isn't really, hasn't been going very far, very fast at all. But sooner or later, we, you know, we have producer prices, uh, wholesale prices have been showing a little bit of uh, pressure, import prices now and then have been showing pressure. If we get some wage pressures here, um, it's very likely that we could definitely see, um, <laughs> likely definitely, but I'm not sure, uh, we could begin to see some pressure. And I think what that dialogue is going to be reflected in the U.S. is going to be whether or not the Fed will begin to pencil in a fourth rate hike this year. Remember, they they've already uh, are going to do three rate hikes. So that's going to be withdrawing what they call withdrawing accommodation because interest rates are still very, very low. But uh, a fourth rate hike uh, could be a wild card, I think, for the financial markets. Wake them up a little bit. They're not everything, uh, not all uh, government policy is super uh, stimulative, uh, and I'm talking really here about the tax uh, tax cuts. So it's a oh, can, sorry, yeah. go, going back to the, the GDP accounts. So then it was it um, final sales to domestic purchases are up 4.3 percent. I guess about. that's that's a pretty uh, yeah a pretty strong number mm -hmm. in the context of recent history. Do, do we have any idea of what sort of the Federal Reserve itself is looking for in terms of demand rather than you know total output? They don't actually forecast. Uh, they don't forecast that. Their forecasts are for the GDP as a whole, and they're still very subdued. Uh, we're talking below two and a half percent long term. Well, you know, more much closer to the two percent range. Um, will we see uh, FOMC forecasts won't come out uh, until um, I guess it's what it'll be the uh, April March. or the March FOMC, um, and so we, we're not going to see any any any. Well, we also have an FOMC meeting this week. And it'll be Janet Yellen's last um, one where she'll chair. And Jerome Powell will be taking over there, and he'll have his first press conference. And then he'll, we'll also have those FOMC updates. 
Um, but it's you know what we're you know, we're kind of in the business of looking of, of you know taking our binoculars out and looking for early indications of change uh, at, you know at the sub level and I think I'm beginning to see some certainly with the with the prices and certainly with um, uh, uh, consumer spending uh, it, you know there are there is a little pressure building and it's interesting also we had the, the savings rate came out yesterday it was very very low at 2.4 percent so that in, that shows the confidence that people are dipping into their savings it might not be that great of a, a, a thing to do but to uh, to encourage spending we've also seen uh, the revolving credit component of the credit uh, the monthly credit outstanding report which will come out next week that has been going up so people are are using their credit cards they're dipping into their savings they're increasing their spending um and this is all the, the you know a part of the confidence and part of the uh, of uh, a heating up economy and maybe the uh, it really does need to be cool but it, not at the headline level quite yet. We're not quite at that uh, uh, state yet. But the, but that's why uh, uh, you know people are supposed to listen to us so we can show them and tell them what these sub indicators are doing. Thanks, Mark. We can't conclude this call without a brief glance at Asia. Um, Japan is in the midst of its end of month deluge of economic releases. Last night, household spending and retail sales were released, along with unemployment, all for December. Household spendings continues to be weak. It was down 0.1% on the year in December. This measure corresponds more closely to GDP than the retail sales data. Retail sales on the opposite side was up, were up 3.6% on the year after increasing 2.2% in November and very far above the consensus of 1.8%. Unemployment rate in Japan increased to 2.8% from 2.7% in November. Despite the small increase in the unemployment rate, today's data remained consistent with the Bank of Japan's assessment that the labor market that labor market conditions are tightening. Officials expect that this will eventually they've been saying this for a while will translate into stronger wage growth and help push inflation towards their two percent target. Their CPA, excluding fresh food, is stuck at a 0.9% annual increase as we speak. Also, the data over the next couple of weeks bound to be distorted a bit as Asia prepares to celebrate the Lunar New Year, which this year is on February 16th. Thanks, guys.